Review with Roman. Today it's Friday, December 20th, 2019. Thanks so much for tuning in. We are broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We're in San Francisco and we are on Ohlone land. And one way, a couple ways folks can give back to the land is if you donate to the Shumi land tax, and that's S H U U M I land tax. And those are folks in the East Bay. And then also, if you'd like to learn more, you can go to R A M A Y. T-U-S-H dot com and learn about the Ramaytosh Ohlone folks, people who are still here on the land and learn about the history, a lot of which was not taught. So we have a show. I say we have a show. Sometimes folks say, we've got a great show. And the thing is, I can't predict the future. I feel like I'm in- intuitive. However, I don't know what's going to happen. I think it'll be cool. I always enjoy being here. And it's I've been doing this for a little over six years, which is pretty remarkable. And if you know me, there's not, I guess there's some things I've done for more than six years at a time. However, I feel really passionate about this and I'm grateful for all the listeners out there. Perhaps you're a new listener. Perhaps you've been listening for a while. Really grateful for the folks who tune in and all the folks who've been guests on the show and people who've called in. And it's a really amazing opportunity to get to speak to folks. I end up learning so much and it's a reminder of having the face-to-face conversations and how much we can learn from one another. I end up doing a lot of listening on the show. I do talk, of course, as well. Sometimes I listen more than talk. And today we'll be, we're planning to have, we have a call scheduled for around 1230. We'll be talking about the action that happened at PG&E, the PG&E headquarters this early Monday morning, this past Monday morning. So looking forward to hearing more information about that. And I do have some news stories. And If you think, wow, if you've listened to the show a lot before and you think I sound very calm, it's because I have a really cute little pup on my lap named Sparrow. Sparrow is no stranger to the radio station. She's been here many times before. Um, When we're walking down, she knows we're going in. 
And it's really comforting to have a little pup on your lap, especially when going through news that may be triggering and or depressing and frustrating and scary. And then there's a little little pup here. So it's nice. And I'm feeling pretty calm. We'll see what happens when I get to the news, though. I might start sighing and groaning as I usually do. So, oh, what a cutie. You can't see because there's not a camera. Well, there's a, I guess we could always get a camera in here. <sighs> start off the show with some music. First off was a cover of the Fleetwood Mac song, The Chain by the High Women. I heard that this morning on The Current, and I was like, oh, that's a good cover. And then we heard uh, Ravi Shankar's uh, Chance of India, and that was Vandana Trai. And my apologies if I am mispronouncing that, and that's from the Chance of India Ravi Shankar album, the CD we have here at the station. And I'll be playing that throughout the show. I haven't heard a lot of it. I am being licked on my hand. Okay. Um... So that brings me to the first. Hi, hi, Spar. Oh, I'm getting kisses. I'm getting kisses. Okay. Uh, I did want to speak about a few events. Also, I have not been on Facebook for a while, and it's been amazing for my mental health. I assumed this would happen, and it's beyond. And I feel I went back on just to check messages briefly, and I was like, oof. Uh, not the messages, but just the the format of it, and then also just the fact that. The, it's just run by folks who align themselves with uh, white nationalists. And to support that, I think is for me, I just can't do that anymore. I'm, I think I'm in the process of I've quit in the past and I've also threatened to quit and I keep on wanting to go and just get my photos and delete my profile and make sure I've got the contact info. And that's the main thing is that I appreciate all the contacts I have on there. And also as an artist, it's easy to network and to, to promote your work. And I often think, wow, if Facebook had been any other way, it could have been, I mean, things could be so different if they hadn't sold people's private information, if they hadn't aligned themselves with the state and with law enforcement, if, did I say advertising already? Because that too, if they hadn't uh, taken the side of white supremacists, if they hadn't silenced activists, all of those things. Imagine, yeah, okay. Uh, I think they're also like against nudity, but okay with a lot of violence. Like that's not good. Anyway, I did want to share some uh, sparrows being very playful. Okay. Upcoming events that folks can get to. And I recognize I feel distraught a lot of the time recognizing what's happening in the world. And also I want to provide action items and ways that folks can participate. And also that reminder, I say it for myself as much as anyone, that reminder that there are so many different ways to show up and we all have different abilities and capabilities and sometimes it's good to rest. And there are so many events and so many folks who are organizing that there's always, if you're up for it, there's always gonna be a way that folks can show up. Whether that's going there in person, whether that's spreading the word or sharing information or having conversations with folks. If you happen to have capital, I mention this sometimes. If you happen to have it and can donate to grassroots organizations or folks in need. There are so many ways to show up and also just to correct the media narrative. I mean, the, the media, corporate media goes in line with the state and with law enforcement and there's so much misinformation out there. And I feel if the narrative were really on the side of the people, if we could put the truth out there, not, not sound like I'm quoting the X-Files here, but honestly, if we could put the truth out there, the actual of what, what's actually happening to folks, if that narrative was put front and center, then things would shift dramatically. And it's because people are lied to, there's a lot of fear mongering, and the wealthy decide to want to keep 
the rest of us fighting amongst one another for what we think are scraps, even though there's plenty of resources. It's just that there are some folks who hoard them. So what, what can we do? What does the one thing I do with this show, or I try to do, is to to share information that might not be heard elsewhere. I'm sure it's heard elsewhere, but just an additional voice. And there's so many different ways to show up and to spread information and knowledge. So I try to do that here. Okay. So I did want to share an event that's happening tomorrow in San Francisco that folks can participate in. And this is California Against CAA. It says, uh, California Against the Citizenship Amendment Act opposed CAA and NRC in solidarity with Aligarh Muslim University, uh, um, Hamia Milia or Jamia Milia Islamia University, Assam and Kashmir. And that is happening tomorrow, Saturday, December 21st from 10 a.m. to noon at the Consulate General of India, which is at 540 Arguello Boulevard in San Francisco. There's a Facebook invite, and this was organized by, just as by Organized South Asians, and that's organized with an S instead of a Z. So if you're in the Bay Area and able to show up, please show up and or share this event with others. There have been protests. Um, there's a lot of protests happening in India. There's protests happening in Toronto. They're happening all around. There are protests happening all around the world. And I've been saying that. It feels weird to say I. People have been saying that. People have been saying that there have been protests. And I want to just share that. And as a reminder, there's happening in, in Chile, all around the world, that folks are organizing and showing up. So I wanted to share that with folks. Okay, so that's one event that's coming up that folks can participate in. And I've got a few news articles here, and I'm going to get to, we've got about 14 minutes or so before we get our caller coming in, calling in. And I am uh, without a computer at the moment, in front of me that is, but I've got a little, I shouldn't say that though, because I've got the phone, which is a computer in itself. So I'm going to bring up some articles here and share, if I might. Um, hold on. I guess I'm the one running this thing, so it's really uh, on my timing here. Okay, so I tried to bring up these tabs in advance. I'll start off with uh, folks who are organizing at Google who have been fired, many of whom are queer. And there's someone named uh, Catherine Spears, and you can follow Catherine at, on Twitter at E-I-A-L-S. And Catherine says, I was fired last week by Google for organizing. All I did was make a pop-up to share the labor notice Google has to share with its workers. Three hours later, management came to my desk, took my phone, laptop, escorted me away. I never got to say goodbye. My story. And so there's a story in medium.com, and I'll read a little bit of this. I've heard a little bit, and I'd like to educate myself more. So Google fires another worker for exercising her rights and protecting coworkers from illegal company retaliation. And this came out on December 16th, written by Catherine Spears. Catherine says, my name is Catherine Spears. I was at Google for just under two years. I worked on the platform security team focusing on Chrome's use within Google. Part of my job was to write browser notifications so that my coworkers can be automatically notified of employee guidelines and company policies while they surf the web. I was very good at my job at Google. At, I was very good at my job, and Google has acknowledged this. My last three performance reviews have gone four to five stars, strongly exceeds in Google internal language, four to five stars, five to five stars, 
five of five, five stars, superb in internal language. And to give some context to this, only 2% of Google workers get a five out of five rating each review cycle. Two months ago when I received five out of five stars, I was also promised, or excuse me, also promoted as part of my role as a security engineer from L2 to L3 in internal Google language. Part of what makes me a great fit for Google is that the company is always telling us to take initiative to deliver high impact work. Recently, Google was forced to post a list of rights that we have in the workplace. So when I heard that Google had hired a union busting firm and started illegally retaliating against my coworkers, I decided to make sure that my coworkers knew about the posting. And Catherine says that she created a little notification, only a few lines of code that pops up in the corner of the browser whenever her coworkers visited the Union Busters website or the community guidelines policy. The notification said, Googlers have the right to participate in protected, concerted activities. And I'm going to scroll down a little bit, learning some more about this. And I do recognize they a lot of folks had also been protesting in terms of Google working with the military and folks did not want their work to go to create more weaponry and more harm. And a highlighted piece in here is what I did is entirely consistent with Google's mission of organizing the world's information and making it universally accessible and useful. And it goes down a little bit further more. So yeah, I wanted to share that. And for some reason, I thought that was also going to be along the lines of the other folks who had been fired, although it all comes in when folks speak up sometimes. <sighs> People are retaliated against. Here we go. And so Catherine has also said, I was involved with past organizing at Google. This includes protesting Google, developing drones for the military, and speaking out against Google's work. Whoops. Oh, goodness. Let's be one moment. And it was with uh, Customs and Border Patrol. So that was, that was what Catherine shared. And so I wanted to share that with some folks as well. And I apologize for... Uh, this taking a bit longer to get to than I had hoped. I'm going to go back down and con continue reading this. There we go. This includes protesting Google, developing drones for the military, and speaking out against Google's work for CBP. Tech is not immoral. Tech workers, As tech workers, she says, we must take responsibility over the products we build. We cannot let upper management dictate how we use our labor. Google would be a far better firm, smarter and more ethical if workers had more control over what they create. That's what I'm fighting for. And she says, and I don't plan to stop fighting with help from CWA Union. And you can follow them at CWA Union on Twitter. My lawyer filed an unfair labor practice charge yesterday to the NLRB. And she has shared that. And... Also, yes, wanting to encourage all workers to show up and everyone who is a worker has a right to decide what they create. So I wanted to thank Catherine as one of the many people who has showed up and spoken out. If more workers spoke out, then I'd imagine there'd be far less militarism in the world. Whew. 
Okay. Next up, and it's this thing where I want to uh, organize things very well, and then sometimes things aren't quite as, I'm not quite as on top of it as I had hoped. That's okay, though. Oftentimes, I also begin the show with a rant, and it's disgusting that there's still sweeps happening here in San Francisco. The Coalition on Homelessness is a great org to donate to. Oh, also, if you're in Oakland, that's another thing I wanted to ask folks to do, is to donate and show up for Moms for Housing, and it's Moms in the number four housing. And they, today, is uh, there's a phone zap to hashtag Save Mom's House, and you can also follow them on Twitter for more information. Friday, it's the Wedgwood headquarters. So for folks who don't know, uh, there are, I would imagine everyone must know that there are plenty of folks out there without housing who deserve housing, and there are a lot of empty homes out there, which is ridiculous. There's more empty homes than there are people who need homes. So it should just make sense that folks who need homes should have access to these homes. <sighs> And so there's a family in Oakland who decided to move into a vacant home. And obviously it improves one's life in, in all respects once you have housing, if you haven't had it for a while. And of course the company that owns the house or says they own the house, cause who's just, you know, that's a whole other debate we have to have, uh, doesn't want them there because it, they need to somehow make a profit because they put profit over people like so many companies do and so they've had a the family's had a lot of support and a lot of community groups are looking to challenge this corporation to say why we know that there's a housing crisis so why are they contributing this this family moving into this one house is good for everybody and if you can't see that then it feels silly that i'm even having to, to speak this because it doesn't make, it shouldn't even be, it shouldn't even be a conversation, honestly. It should just be a fact that it, the more everyone is taken care of, the better things will be for everyone. Don't you want a society where folks have what they need? It, it, it maybe I'm just, it, it's hard for me to even understand folks who would argue against that. And perhaps they haven't been in the position, perhaps they don't think about it, perhaps they're only thinking about profit. And profit never, never helped anybody. So, a there's a phone zap that's happening today for Wedgwood headquarters, and you can call three one zero six four zero three zero seven zero. You can dial zero to speak to a human, and the call script is "Hello, I'm a supporter of Moms for Housing, and I'm calling to ask why Wedgwood is refusing to meet with community groups to address your company's role in the housing crisis." And uh, you can also follow on Twitter for much more information, including more background information and other ways that folks can show up as well as getting texts of, <sighs> yes, daily texts of action items that folks can take. So whether or not you can show up in person and, and thankfully initially they had been threatened to be evicted on the 17th and the sheriff decided to not do that. So that was good. Um, so if you go to momsforhousing.org, and again, that's moms4housing.org, you can find more updates and more information and ways to support. You can also donate. And they say, there are four times as many empty homes in Oakland as there are people without homes. 
They say, uh, no one should be homeless. And I agree with this, of course. No one should be homeless when homes are sitting empty. Housing is a human right. The Moms for Housing are uniting mothers, neighbors, and friends to reclaim housing for the Oakland community from the big banks and real estate speculators. Moms for Housing is a collective of homeless and marginally housed mothers. Before we found each other, we felt alone in this struggle, but there are thousands of others like us here in Oakland and all across the Bay Area. We are coming together with the ultimate goal of reclaiming housing for the community from speculators and profiteers. We are mothers, we are workers, we are human beings, and we deserve housing. Our children deserve housing. Housing is a human right. And you can send a text to 510-800-7810 to get updates. Again, send a text to 510-800-7810 to get updates. They're on Facebook, they're on Twitter and Instagram as well. They had an interview on KALW that's linked on the page as well. And there are many more articles. So yes, please do support these folks. And again, direct action gets the goods. We're going to take a bit of a music break. And then we'll be back with a call very shortly. So please do stay tuned.
Welcome back to Weekly Review. I am joined on the phone by Max. Max, thanks for calling in. Hi, thank you. Thanks yeah. for inviting me. Uh, absolutely. So I was hoping we could talk a little bit about the action that happened uh, this past Monday outside the PG&E headquarters. Yeah, so um, on Monday we uh, shut down PG&E. It was a coalition of disability justice activists and fat activists and environmental justice activists, climate justice activists, um, and there's a, a new movement called Utility Justice, which is mm -hmm. kind of a coalition of those folks uh, and frontline groups who are most impacted by climate change and utility issues. So we were uh, acting in support of the Utility Justice Coalition and shutting down the headquarters of PG&E uh, to basically demand that they pay attention to the needs of frontline communities and disabled people. You know, they've been um, they've been ba they've been basically blamed for numerous wildfires in the past couple of years, and uh, because they have faulty equipment that they haven't been maintaining, mm -hmm. and meanwhile they've been giving. Uh, lots of payouts to shareholders <laughs> um, and not using the money they have to repair their equipment. And, you know, PG&E is owned by, you know, these big money interests who don't even live anywhere near here. And they're mm -hmm. just, it's a business. Yes. You know, yes. it's designed to make money. And right. um, so their answer to um, the liability issues around causing wildfires was basically to shut the power down which has a huge impact on many people, particularly people who rely on electricity to survive. So right. anybody who's poor and can't afford to replace that food in their refrigerator mm -hmm. that's going to rot, anybody who's disabled and uses a CPAP machine to breathe or oxygen or needs to refrigerate their medication, all these different communities have major problems when they lose their electricity. So yes. we were protesting um, because of that. Yeah. And how did, was there any response from PG&E or any workers that you spoke with? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I didn't really interact with any, well, no, I did interact with one worker <laughs> yes. who, said, who was angry with me because um, I, I was locked to the door and there were new, numerous people locked to the doors and she couldn't get in. And she was angry because she's, she said, I'm 62 and I just want to go to work. <laughs> and why aren't you protesting Trump instead? Hmm. And I was like, well, we are protesting Trump. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, they're not exclusive. But, you know, it, it was inconvenienced. And, um, you know, yeah, it was a drag for workers to have to walk around and try to figure out how they could get in the building. It's a huge building. It's like a, it takes up an entire city block. Wow. And we had almost all the entrances block mm -hmm. so it was difficult for people to get in and that was part of our goal was to um impair their operations at their headquarters right and, for the day and that minor inconvenience for them is nothing compared to what folks without power had to go through yeah well that's what i said to her actually i was like you know disabled people died in the last power shutoffs and she just kind of gave me a look and just kept walking away mm. <laughs> so it's difficult for people to deal with being inconvenienced sure. and to see the bigger picture. Right. I think especially when you're a worker for the that company mm -hmm. and have a have a place in that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you feel like your own survival is tied to it. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I was glad to see so many different folks um, come through, and I really appreciate that the different organizations came together. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about the organizational process, if you'd like. You mean the organizational process of the protest itself? Sure. Well, so uh, it was we used a spokes council model, mm-hmm. and um, so you know the. I guess it was the Democratic Socialists of America or the San Francisco. Democratic Socialists of America. I don't know. I'm not really familiar with their whole structure. Mm-hmm. But some some of those folks and some of the environmental folks um, from Rising Tide, mm-hmm. Diablo Rising Tide, I think they are the ones who sort of started the organizing and invited different groups. Got and um, they invited the group that I'm involved in. Um, it's a coalition called Power to Live. Mm-hmm. And we formed during some of the power shutoffs um, as a way to try to um, support mutual aid among disabled folks mm-hmm. because, you know, people were really struggling with, oh, my God, I need electricity. And not only do I need electricity, but I need to be able to stay someplace that's wheelchair accessible. Right. You know, a lot, those are big needs, you know, in the yeah. middle of a power shutoff. Um, so try, trying to make sure that everybody had what they needed and uh, support that. So we be, we became part of Power to Live, and I work with an organization called Fat Rose. We organize fat people, mm-hmm. um, and you know there's lots of intersection between fat and disability. And we've been doing different organizing with disability justice communities for a while, and so Power to Live grew out of those relationships. And um, so you know we were like, yeah, you know th- th- this shutdown of PG&E is actually a really important yeah. move. And we want to be involved. And so they ended up deciding they wanted to actually center disability and the impact on disabled people for this particular action. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting to us. It's like that's it's not often that that happens. Yes. And, you know, really, I feel like the coalition that came together and the fact that it included disability and disabled organizers mm-hmm. and also fat and fat organizers like the the word fat was actually named in the press release mm-hmm. that's unprecedented in, mm-hmm. in my experience that co- coalition of different kinds of groups is actually unprecedented there's you know a, a history of um a, a huge amount of ableism and mm-hmm. certainly fat phobia and fat hatred so that fat and disabled folks just aren't really in movements in great numbers you know mm-hmm. So it was interesting, an interesting experience to be able to uh, form this coalition in order to do this action and experience uh, working with environmental groups where I never would have imagined myself really doing that. So yeah. It was a good experience. Definitely. It's really great when, when folks come together and we realize that we all, you know, the more of us who come together, the more powerful we are. Well, yeah, I mean, ultimately, we really need each other. Yes, yes. You know, we cannot do this alone. And um, to, to to group with people in our own identities is really important at some level. Mm-hmm. And we need to go beyond that, too. Right. You know, it's like we, we need it to support us to be able to be ourselves in this really fucked up world. But we also need to come together and support each other. And so I feel like that's my biggest motivation right now is to figure out how to organize across movements, Mm -hmm. across identities, and start to come together. Yes, yes. 
And I was also impressed that the the media, I know for better or for worse, uh, did sh- come up, come through. So I felt that they was, really did. I was surprised because I've been to a lot of actions in the past, and sometimes they they don't come at all, or if they do, then it's a little bit problematic in terms of how they want to spin the narrative. And mm-hmm. I was just impressed by how quickly they came and how open they seemed. Yeah, I was too. And, you know, I think that pg e is kind of a hot issue right now. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> no, I mean, I think there's a lot of hot issues kind of coming together, right? We've yes. got, you know, climate chaos. Yes. We've got pg e which is totally messed up beyond belief. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got people questioning capitalism, right? We've got all thank, these people going, goodness. wow, maybe this utility should be publicly owned. Yeah. Radical, but <laughs> but people are agreeing with it, you yes. know? So there's all these things coming together. And, you know, the fact that people actually literally died because mm-hmm. of the shutoff, mm-hmm. you know, that's huge. Yes. Right, it's not just the fires that kill people. It's right. actually the way you're the way you're managing your response is killing people too. Yes. So yeah, I think there's it's just like a weird um, convergence of things happening, and you know maybe it's what they call a movement moment mm-hmm. or a whirlwind. I don't know. I'm just sort of learning about um, the way that movements work and the you know the way change happens, and I feel like that you know that seems like this is a bit of a whirlwind that we managed to get in and at like the exact right time or something <laughs> yes yes and also and as you mentioned it affects everybody so folks don't have the option yeah. i mean i think that's a thing where sometimes folks only get involved if it affects them or their friends or their families and right. this is something where with the climate is that it's affecting everyone and people can no longer look away mm-hmm mm-hmm Unless they can go build a bunker in New Zealand. <laughs> well, yeah, those or build a rocket ship and go into outer space. Sure. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So what's, is there yeah. anything that's happening next that you'd like to share or promote or other ways that listeners might be able to get involved in the organizations that you mentioned? Well, we're actually talking about doing, um, so speaking of media, <laughs> we're talking about um, doing some more media uh, campaigns and keeping the momentum going of mm-hmm. the media. And this is particularly among the power to live folks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a number of folks whose stories we'd really like to highlight and yes. get out uh, in the media. And, you know, during the last power shut off, I talked to the New York Times and they were not very interested in what we felt like the story was. Mm. <laughs> they really wanted like a sensational story of someone who's suffering in the moment and, you know, to send a reporter to someone's house where they're struggling and, you know, can, it, yeah, it was, it was a little bit gross, but I guess it's not surprising. It's yes. It's the New York Times. That's what yes. they do. Yes. And, um, you know, we felt like the story was actually the amazing mutual aid network we built as disabled and fat people. <laughs> you know, it was phenomenal, the organizing we did. And we felt like that was the story, right? Yes, so, yes. So just this experience of realizing that, like, the mainstream media isn't going to necessarily want what we have to offer, and we have to tell our own stories. Right, right. So I feel like there's we've got some work to do there that we really want to engage in and... Um, yeah, I mean, if folks want to tell their stories around how they have, uh, how the power shutoffs have impacted them, how the fires have impacted them, we would love to hear them and help tell them. Great. Potentially. And how can folks get so, in touch, or what's the best way? 
The, um, we made a website. It's um, powertolivecoalition.org. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with us. Okay. Or you could, well, no, we don't have a Facebook page. So, yeah, that's the easiest way. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, hopefully there are some you know listeners out there where I feel like it's definitely, there's so much to feel frustrated and angry and scared of that's happening right now. And one way to counter that is through activism. And there's so many different ways for folks to show up. So it's really helpful to be able to uh, know that there are so many folks organizing and providing outlets for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it feels like ultimately what we have is each other. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we need to turn. Indeed. You know, we can't be always looking outward because the state and the corporations are not going to protect <laughs> they're us. They're not on our side. No, they're not. Well, the sooner no. more folks realize that, I think the stronger we'll be. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say thank you for, um, you know, pr- promoting this protest and this work that we're doing and for all of the work that you are doing. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it's many, there's so many different ways to show up and that's something that I've learned over the years. So I'm happy to help spread the word. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And uh, hope to uh, see you again soon. Okay, take care, Roman. All right, you too, Max. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, big thanks to Max for calling in and for all the folks organizing. <sighs> it's that thing where I do this you know, we read the news and it's it's depressing and we, there's these big corporations that are causing a lot of harm. And then there are folks who are countering that and it's through organizing and folks showing up that that make a, make a change. All right, I'm going to take another little music break here. I'm going to take the little pup outside, get some fresh air, and then we'll be back uh, in a bit. So please do stay tuned.
weekly review again big thank you to max for calling in and this past this last song is from ravi shankar chants of india and that was asato ma next up we have a another news article about people showing up and doing cool things that's a new song all right this is from on twitter jeff shirky and you can follow jeff at j-e-f-f-s-8 S-C-H-U-H-R-K-E. Um, and Jeff says, grades at USC, which is University of California at Santa Cruz, weren't submitted by last night's deadline. Faculty, undergrads, local officials all support striking grad workers who need a hashtag C-O-L-A, yet admin does nothing. Chancellor Cynthia LaRive won't even mention the strike. Hashtag don't submit hash or at pay us more UCSC and the article from the Santa Cruz Sentinel.com is on eve of deadline no signs of resolution for USC excuse me UCSC grading strike so I'm gonna read this article and written by Nicholas Ibarra this came out on December 18th 2019 and there's a photo here. I'll read the caption. Paloma Medina, a biomolecular engineering PhD candidate and teaching assistant at UC Santa Cruz, fires up a crowd of fellow wildcat striking teaching assistants and supporters outside Kerr Hall's UCSC administrative offices on Tuesday when TAs reiterated they will not turn in student grades before a Wednesday night deadline. Santa Cruz, an unauthorized strike held by UC Santa Cruz graduate student. 
got a little pup on the lap. Okay, an, un- an unauthorized strike held by UC Santa Cruz graduate students was set to come to a head overnight Wednesday with scores of teaching assistants saying they would not submit students' grades by a midnight deadline unless given a sizable raise. Min- mid mat. Excuse me. Meanwhile, support for the striking students, including from hundreds of UCSC faculty, undergraduates, students at other UC campuses, and Santa Cruz City Council members, continued to grow as the strike entered a second week. Arguing they cannot afford housing in Santa Cruz's notoriously pricey rental market, the striking students are demanding a $1,412 monthly wage increase. The raise, they say, would bring their wages in line with counterparts at UC Riverside when cost of living is taken into account. Until their demand is met, the students said they would refuse to submit grades from the fall quarter as required as part of their duties as teaching assistants and graduate student instructors. Some have reportedly taken the additional step of deleting grades that had already been submitted to the campus's online grading portal prior to the strike's start December 8th. Exceptions were made Exceptions were being made for the students for students whose standing would be jeopardized by having their grades withheld, according to multiple striking students. Students first demanded the pay increase in a November 7th letter to UCSC Chancellor Cynthia Larive before announcing the strike December 8th. Larive or Larive, excuse me, uh, has yet to publicly address the strike and was unavailable for comment. But on the eve of the Wednesday deadline, it remained unclear how many students would follow through with withholding grades. The action was not authorized by the UAW 2865 union, which represents most graduate student workers across the UC system and participating students could face repercussions such as withholding of pay and termination. Striking students who have spoken out publicly, however, said they expect hundreds of graduate students to withhold grades, citing a straw poll and what they said was unanimous support from 200 graduate students at a December 8th strike meeting. In the wake of that meeting, support for the strike has only grown, according to film and digital media doctoral student Yulia Gilinskaya. Our presence and the outreach we've done, I think, convinced a lot of people who weren't necessarily on board to join, she said Wednesday. I cannot predict the exact number, but but I'm expecting it's hundreds of TAs. Prospects for... An agreement between the striking students and university administrators appeared slim Wednesday as campus administrators refused to meet with the students until the strike is ended. We're looking forward to engaging with graduate students once this unsanctioned disruption ends, which in some instances includes not only withholding grades and blue books in which students have written their final examinations, but also deleting students' grades, said UCSC spokesman Scott Hernandez-Jason in a statement. Further frustrating the possibility of an amicable resolution, the contract setting graduate students' wages is negotiated between UAW 2865 by the University of California as a whole, not by the Santa Cruz campus. To discuss terms and conditions of employment, our campus must work through and with the system-wide UAW 2865 organization, Hernandez-Jason said. The local representative is not authorized to bargain on behalf of the UAW. Striking students insist the administration could negotiate, arguing they are seeking a cost-of-living raise on behalf of all graduate students, not just those represented by the union. We know that's an excuse. We know that that's an excuse, and there are always ways around this. Gillen, excuse me. 
Gillingskaya said of the administration's refusal to meet. She pointed to precedent such as UC San Francisco's $2,500 cost of living supplement and the history of a of side letter agreements made in response to unauthorized labor strikes as potential models for negotiation. Because our demand is wider than UAW membership, it doesn't need to be a UAW negotiation. A typical graduate student, UCSC, works half-time as a teaching assistant in exchange for a tuition waiver and roughly $2,434 in monthly wages for nine months uh, per year, according to information provided by campus officials. Many striking students have reported spending upward of 50% of their income on rent and shared stories of foregoing meals to afford rent, crowded shared housing conditions, and living in their cars. The average monthly rent of a one-bedroom apartment listed by the UCSC Community Rentals Office in 2018 was $2,079, while shared or single rooms in a house were listed for an average of $1,117. For anthropology doctoral student Brenda Aryona, those wages translate to spending what she had said worked out to spending about 78% of her take-home pay on housing. Speaking at a Tuesday afternoon rally in front of UCSC's Kerr Hall, Aryona Arjona, uh, said she lives on campus in family student housing with her 10-year-old son. She said she had her power shut off at the beginning of the quarter due to her inability to pay her bills and has seriously considered dropping out of the program. The problem is that after paying three-quarters of my paycheck back to the university for housing, I am left with less than $500 each month to pay the rest of my bills, Arjona said. Grad students should not be ashamed that they cannot afford to pay their rent or bills, she added. The university should be ashamed that they can't pay us enough to live here. Excuse me, that they don't. Excuse me. The university should be ashamed that they don't pay us enough to live here. To date, more than 400 UCSC faculty members have signed a petition supporting the striking students and endorsing their demand for a pay increase. The demand was also endorsed by UCSC Undergraduate Student Union Assembly in a resolution passed December 13th. At least 15 UCSC departments have committed not to retaliate against participating students, according to copies of letters from the departments reviewed by this news organization. Tuesday, Santa Cruz Mayor Justin Cummings and two fellow council members penned a letter of support for the striking students, endorsing their demand for a wage increase and calling on the UCSC administration to meet with striking students. As elected officials wanting to see the best outcome for all, we support a COLA, which is cost of living adjustment increase, and a speedy resolution to this matter. Cummings and council members Chris Crone and Sandy Brown said in the letter, if you would like to call on the auspices of the mayor and city council, we stand ready to assist in any mediation effort as the resolution to this issue moves forward. Hmm. So again, you can find this in the Santa Cruz Sentinel, and this came out on December 18th and was written by Nicholas Ibarra. Next up, I have a positive news story. I know that's shocking. And in this way, and I think the one I just read was also positive. I mean, it's the positive news stories are oftentimes when something really negative is happening and people take action, and then it, it's a positive thing because people are taking action, although it's really frustrating that the situation had to exist in the first place. However, I'm very grateful for positive things and, and yeah, positive things like that to share and folks taking action. It's a good thing and want to celebrate and not diminish um, because that's, it takes a lot of work to organize and it can be risky. And at the same time, when folks do that, sometimes there's a really positive result. 
So sending lots of love and solidarity to all the students out there <sighs> protesting and on strike. Next up, it's a longer article and I'll be sharing a little bit of it and then playing a music break. I was going to go right to a music break. Um, however, Sparrow is on the, my lap and I don't want to disturb her right now. So we're going to start off with this. And this is from Future Crunch and it's uplifting news. And sometimes I think, ooh, uplifting news. What? Yeah, okay, great. Like, wow, a puppy was born or, oh, the truth. So, you know, and it's sometimes hard to look at the, for me, going to speak for myself, knowing all the terrible things that are happening in the world and how especially in the US. I mean, things are happening, terrible things are happening all over the world. I don't want to diminish that. But knowing how the US is an imperialist and the military actions and the ICE is still hap is still a thing. ICE has not been abolished yet and there's mass incarceration and there's police officers killing people and I go down and then crim poverty is criminalized and then there's gay bashings and trans bashings and it's like ah and uh, reproductive health care is even more un in under it's uh, there's more attacks on that and, and health care in general and okay so there's all these terrible things that are happening and also there are folks who are showing up I just talked myself into a corner because now I'm like oh my gosh things are terrible however there are also positive things happening oftentimes in retaliation to the negative things that are happening and folks organizing and oh yeah climate change that's a big one so these are positive news stories that happened in 2019 and the title is that stories that we may have missed and there's a few things i knew about a few things i didn't and it's from all around the world and i also recognize here with the show i definitely have a more of a bay area lens and then also more united states lens and then and so on and so forth and a lot of it's just okay what information do i have access to what do i have time for what um is my emotional capability in terms of what can i share what can i read and share and i know it varies from week to week if folks have listened before it's no show is exactly the same in terms of the, the content or my mood or the language I use or the music. It's all, it's different. Just like life. It's fluid. It's never linear. And I would like to have more of a whole world analysis, not necessarily analysis. I mean, there's so many people, there's so many things happening. How can one even begin to, I mean, this is, I've, I've said this before. It's like a, it's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. This is just through my lens from what I've learned and how I understand it. And hopefully, you know, hopefully I am evolving and learning with time and making mistakes and then becoming a better, more open, evolved person. And there's so, it's growing up in this country, even there's so I mean, the brainwashing, I think I always had some sense of it, that things were messed up, but I never had quite a full idea of just how much has been left out, deliberately left out from education in this country and how much brainwashing there has been in the media. And also came of age just as cable television was sprouting and Fox News and how I feel like there was always misinformation, certainly, and covering up the truth. And then the propaganda really went into full swing, like hardcore, um, in a way that uh, I think was unprecedented, or at least for from the from the media standpoint, I guess, where it's really just coming into people's homes in a way. And how does one even, even though I feel like I've grown up with a 
wanting to, to question things, there's still so much more that I want to learn and know and also unlearn. And I keep on thinking about that, like how many things and how many unconscious thoughts and feelings do I have that have been not to, not to, um, not to negate my own actions or my own responsibility for my actions and thoughts. It's to, I think, understand the roots of it and also just see how much through media have, has influenced my way of thinking and my way of looking at people and looking at myself and how much is internalized and, oh, there's so much. And I mean, that's why I, I like as introverted as I can be and as shy as I can be, I do like talking with folks and hearing people's stories and recognizing you know, the humanity in everyone. And if everyone had a chance to speak their truth, how different the world would be as opposed to just a few people spreading, spreading their own ideas. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to now play a song. Initially, I was going to go right into the story. However, I'm able to get up at the moment. And I did want to Sometimes on shows, a variety show is like coming up after this commercial break. You know, they try to like hook people in, and I feel like I've very rarely done that. However, I am gonna do that because it's like, wow, stay tuned. Don't switch your dial, even though we're not no longer on the radio or on the internet, and people might be listening after the fact, and you can just pause it at any time anyway, or fast forward, or rewind, or do whatever. Uh, I do want to say keep on listening because after this we'll have 99 positive news stories from the year that one might not have known about and i think that's pretty cool and it definitely it helps restore faith in humanity all right so here's some more music and we'll be back uh, after this so stay tuned Sahana Bhunatu 
the weekly review with roman thanks so much for tuning in it's time to plug the station this is mutiny radio formerly known as pirate cat radio we have shows here every day of the week 
um, lots of different types of shows. There's comedy, there's news, there's music. There's an AA meeting that's here. Um, it's not on the radio. It's just the space is used for that. I think it's on a Wednesday. Check out the schedule at mutinyradio.fm. And also, if you're interested in having a show here of your own, it's completely free speech. You pay 100 bucks a month in dues. You get to use all the equipment here, and you get to have a show of your own. There's also The space is also available for rentals. So if you want to have a show here, there's like seating and bathroom and you have a, you get like a live broadcast and a recorded broadcast and you can get folks here so it's really cool that there are still these spaces here available for for rentals and for art so i do want to encourage folks to come by there's also art on the wall so if you're a an artist of the medium of painting or photography we do have a rotating art exhibit on the walls so please if you're interested in any of the above um, even if you're not interested in any of the above and just want to get in contact, check out mutinyradio.fm. You can come by and visit us. We're here at the corner of 21st and Florida, uh, 2781 21st Street. It's it's dog-friendly, as we can attest to. So if you have a pup, bring your pup. It's also an all-ages venue. It's also an alcohol-free venue. So if you're sober like myself, that's uh, one less thing to worry about. So please do come through if you'd like. Also, I don't think it seems to work when I mention it on the show, but I'm going to anyway. I have a Patreon that's up. Big thank you to all the folks who donate. It means a lot to me. And if you'd like to donate to this show in particular, you can do so at patreon.com forward, forward slash weekly ref. And you can also donate directly to the station. We, I mean, dues and shows are how we keep the doors open. We do pay rent here, and it's kind of a collective for the most, well, in many ways it could be seen as a collective. So we do appreciate if you're able to chip in a little bit. And there's a Venmo that's up. Again, if you go to mutinyradio.fm, you can find all that information there. Lots of shows. There's like open mics, music shows, a lot of things. And even more if you'd like to come through. Okay, also we're on the first floor, so it's an accessible space. So I wanted to share that as well. Okay, coming up next. I just talked a lot. All right, the 99 good news stories you probably didn't hear about in 2019. And this is from Future Crunch. And I read it on, I read it on Reddit. Okay, I'm going to open up the tab here. And I'm going to sit down and hopefully get a little, get Sparrow back on the lap. Come here. Come on. And, oh, oh, she's very cute. You can do it. Come on. Okay, this is this is the life here. I get to read about good news stories. I've got cute little 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 pup on the lap. Okay, if we want to change the story of the human race in the 21st century, we have to change the stories we tell ourselves. And this came out on December 13th, 2019, written by Angus Hervey. Again, this is in Future Crunch. They start off with a Charles Dickens quote. You know, the best of times, worst of times, etc. Blah blah blah. Ugh. I don't mean that, and I mean when I just say, you know, you get it. And so, let's see. It starts off, we watched the news this year. Maybe you did too. It didn't look good. Countries on the verge of collapse. People taking to the streets. Some in peaceful marches and extinction rebellions. Uh, other in violent clashes with security forces, which I think is often necessary. Um, pop, da, 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 da. All right. Talking about all the bad things that are happening. <sighs> the border even existing is a bad thing. People in cages, children in cages, trade wars, surveillance, capitalism, re-education camps, war-torn hotspots, modern conflict, 
and many more things, emissions rising, uh, species going extinct, wildfires, uh, losses cascading across ecosystems. Uh, so that's this is the opening. You can go to the website Future Crunch if you want to read the opening. And I'm going to go directly to the the stories that are positive and might be difficult to believe. However, I think it's really important to talk about some positive things that are happening and put perspective on it. All right. They start off with a quote, and I might take breaks in between this because 100 stories is a lot. And these are just summaries, but still, I'm going to make myself comfortable here. All right. Hold on. It's okay. Okay. Got my got my feet up, got the pup here. Okay. Conservation. Grace happens when we act with others on behalf of our world. And that's a quote from Joanna Macy. One, new surveys revealed that the population of humpback whales in the South Atlantic region now number 24,900, almost 93% of their population size. Oh, excuse me. Almost 93% of their population size before they were hunted the, to the brink of, brink of extinction. And that's from the BBC. Next, two, Chinese authorities began preparations for the creation of the largest national park in the country's history, covering an area of 27,134 kilometers square, square kilometers and home to more than 1,200 wild giant pandas. That's from Nat Geo. Next, three, the indigenous Warani community of Ecuador won a landmark case against oil companies this year, protecting 180,000 hectares hectares of their land against exploitation. And that's from Al Jazeera. Four, in 2019, the United States passed a new law outlawing animal cruelty. China issued guidelines stating that from 2020, non-animal testing will be the preferred method for cosmetic products. And in Australia, cosmetic companies were banned from using data derived from animal testing. Five, dolphins are breeding in the Potomac, Potomac River in Washington for the first time since the 1880s. Whale populations are exploding off the shores of New York, and 100 seal pups have been born on the shores of the Thames 60 years after the river was declared biologically dead. And that's from Telegraph. Six, in July, Ethiopia smashed the world record for tree planting, led by Prime Minister Abi Ahmad, excuse me, Ahmed. Millions of Ethiopians planted 353 million trees in 12 hours. That's incredible. And they have a photo, and it says Abi Ahmed, showing why he's Africa's most popular leader. And that's from the BBC. Next up, seven. The city of Seoul shut down all its remaining dog butcheries this year, and the Netherlands became the first country in the world to eliminate all stray dogs, not by euthanasia, but through education, free veterinary care, and rehoming. And that's from Amsterdam Hangout. Eight. In Kenya, poaching rates have dropped by 85% for rhinos and 78% for elephants in the last five years. In South Africa, the number of rhinos killed by poachers fell by 25%. The fifth annual decrease in a row, and in Mozambique, one of Africa's largest wildlife reserves, went an entire year without losing a single elephant. Nine. Belize doubled the size of ocean reserves around the world's second largest barrier reef. South Africa increased its proportion of protected waters from 0.4% to 5.4%. Argentina created two new marine parks in the South Atlantic, bringing the total protected areas to 8%. 10. 
Canada became the first country in the world to protect more than 10% of its ocean waters of its ocean waters after the government partnered with Inuit custodians to create a vast new conservation zone in the Arctic. The Tuvajutik Marine Protected Area and the Tualarutup Imanga National Marine Conservation Area, and that's from the National Observer. And again, apologies if I've mispronounced. 11. India reported that its population of tigers has risen by over a third since 2014, and in Siberia, Siberia, an unprecedented collaboration between China and Russia has paved the way for a new transnational park for the Amur leopard and the Siberian tiger. Okay. 12. Since 1990, France's forest areas have increased by 7% in Nepal. Satellite images revealed that forests expanded from 26% in 1992 to 45% in 2016, and Costa Rica announced it has doubled its forest cover in the last 30 years. Half its land surface is now covered with trees, a huge carbon sink in a big draw for tourists. 13. And as I read this, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get to all 99, so perhaps I will save the last 50 for next week. That sounds like a great plan. All right. 13. A new study revealed that the status of Great Britain's carnivores has improved markedly since the 1960s. Thanks to conservation efforts, otters, pine martens, pine martens, uh, badgers, and polecats have staged remarkable recoveries. And that's from Wiley. 14. Canada banned the trade, possession, capture, and breeding of dolphins, whales, and porpoises, passed a fisheries act containing a legally binding requirement to rebuild fish populations, and unveiled new standards for marine protected areas, banning all oil and gas activity, as well as mining, dumping, and bottom trawling. 15. An unprecedented conservation effort returned the Mexican gray wolf from the brink of extinction, giving it a new home in a reserve with other species endemic to its former territories such as prairie dogs bison and longhorn sheep and that's from mexico news daily 16 china's tree stock rose by 4.56 billion meters meters to the third so not square okay m3 uh my apologies um, between 2000, that's a lot between 2005 and 2018 deserts are shrinking by 2,400 square kilometers a year and forests now account for 22% of land area. That's from SCMP 17, the U S Senate passed its most sweeping conservation legislation in de a decade, protecting 1.3 million acres and withdrawing 370,000 acres from land available to mining companies. That's from the LA Times. <sighs> Next, global health. Healthcare is vital to all of us some of the time, but public health is vital to all of us all of the time. That's Charles Everett Koop, of all people, said that. Good to know. 18, Algeria and Argentina officially eliminated malaria this year, and the WHO said that in the last eight years, malaria infections in Cambodia, China, Laos, Myanmar, Thailand, and Vietnam dropped by 76% and deaths fell by 95%. India also reported a huge reduction in malaria with 2.6 million fewer cases in 2018 than in 2017. That's from Nature, uh, the publication, Nature. 19. 
The Global Burden of Disease report said that between 1990 and 2017, the number of kids and teenagers dying around the world decreased by more than half from 13.77 million to 6.64 million. That's from CNN. 20. And again, I'm reading the article from Future Crunch, who has it's been outsourced from other articles, so wanting just to put that caveat on there. 20. Remember bird flu, the disease that was going to be the next global pandemic? Don't worry, Sparrow. It's okay. There hasn't been a single H5N1 human infection since February 2017. That's from STAT, S-T-A-T. 21. According to the United Nations, global HIV-related deaths have fallen to 770,000, a third lower than in 2010 when 1.2 million deaths were recorded. And that's from Deutsche Well. Well, maybe. W-E-L-L-E. 22. Senegal became the first African country to begin providing free treatment for women with breast or cervical cancer, the leading cause of cancer deaths. And Mali announced it would begin providing free health care for pregnant women and children under five. And that's from The Guardian. 23. In the biggest breakthrough for cystic fibrosis in decades, a new drug that targets the genetic roots of the disease was approved by the FDA. That's from the Washington Post. 24. The UN released its latest figures on pneumonia, showing that the number of children dying from the ultimate disease of poverty has decreased from 6,410 per day in 1990 to 2,216 per day in 2017. That's from OWID. 25. The Philippines passed a Universal Health Care Act, enlisting all of its 107 million citizens to health insurance and medical treatment. And Malaysia started providing free health care insurance for the country's poorest 40%, providing coverage against 36 critical illnesses. 26. The CDC announced that cigarette smoking among U.S. adults has reached an all-time low of 13.7% a decline of two-thirds in the last 50 years. And in the UK, the number of cigarettes being smoked fell by nearly a quarter between 2011 and 2018. That's from Cancer UK. 27. Russian officials reported that alcohol consumption has decreased by 43% since 2003 as a result average life expectancy in 2018 reached its highest level ever. And that's from BBC. 28. The AIHW said that more people are surviving cancer in Australia than ever before. Since 1989, the mortality rate has dropped by 32% for men and by 21% for women. 29. Between 1990 and 2019, cancer mortality rates fell by 18% in Argentina, 26% in Chile, 14% in Colombia, 17% in Mexico, and 13% in Venezuela, corresponding to almost half a million avoided deaths. That's from the International Journal of Cancer. 30. Malawi eliminated the world's most common infectious eye disease, trachoma, the second African country to do so after Ghana. In 2014, more than 8 million people were at risk. Today, that number is zero. And that's from Hippocratic Post. 31. A new vaccine for typhoid reduced cases by more than 80% in trials and is now being used to immunize 9 million children in Pakistan. And that's from BBC. 32. Stroke, stroke rates for U.S. adults over the age of 65 have decreased by one-third each decade for the last 30 years. New diabetes cases have declined by 35% since 2009, the longest decline since the government started tracking the statistic, and under the Affordable Care Act, nearly 2 million diabetics have now received access to health insurance. 33. In Rwanda, 
95% of babies currently receive vaccinations for rubella, measles, and polio. And it's also on track to be the first country to eliminate cervical cancer. And that's from CNN. 34. Heart disease rates in the UK are on the decline. It's still the leading cause of mortality, but deaths have decreased by almost half since 2005. That's from Telegraph. 35. Between 2000 and 2018, the global incidence of measles fell by two-thirds and more than 23 million lives were saved by the measles vaccine. I don't know if there's any anti-vaxxers who listen to the show. Maybe. Uh, it's a good thing to get vaccinated and vaccinate your kiddos if you have them. AC, that's from ACS. Next, 36. A new Ebola vaccine was cleared for distribution in 2019 and is working miracles, reducing mortality rates from 70% to as low as 6%. That's from Boston University. 37. The WHO revealed that the average decline in the incidence of tuberculosis, the leading infectious disease, excuse me, the WHO revealed that the average decline in the incidence of tuberculosis, the leading infectious cause of death worldwide, has been 1.6 every year between 2000 and 2018. And in August, a new cure for the deadly strain of TB was approved, clearing the path for global distribution. That's from the New York Times. 38. Type 3 polio officially became the second species of polio virus to be eliminated in 2019. Only type 1 now remains, and only in Pakistan and Afghanistan. And that's from STAT, S-T-A-T. And I think this will be the last uh, category I'll, I'll read for this show, Living Standards. And it's a quote from Anne Frank. No one has ever become poor by giving. 39. New research showed that the proportion of people in extreme poverty around the world fell from 36% in 1990 to 8.6 in 2018. Absolute numbers were down from 1.9 billion in 1990 to 610 million in 2018. And that's from ODI. I thought this was interesting because, especially here in San Francisco, where the wealth disparity is so huge, we see that there are, there are billionaires and then there are folks here without housing. And I, and also just recognizing how the top percent keeps on, you know, the rich get richer and the poor get poor. However, this research tends to show that uh, least extreme poverty is, I mean, no one should be, no one should be living in extreme poverty though, is the thing. Um, however, yes, it's good that the numbers at least are going down. 40, the biggest global story you didn't hear about this year, and I'm, they're making an assumption here. Maybe you heard about it. Uh, the biggest global story you didn't hear about this year was the successful conclusion of India's extraordinary sanitation drive. In the last five years, 90 million toilets have been built. 93% of, of households ha now have access, and 500 million people have stopped defecating in the open. That's from the Economic Times. 41. The second biggest story was the Save the Children. Interesting. Um, save the Children... Perhaps you're you're going down the street and there are some folks who like ask to donate and it's I've heard not so good things about the organization and anyway, however I'm going to share this story and then we can all you know do some research question it. Uh, 2019 Global Childhood Report showing that in the last 20 years children's lives have improved in 173 out of 176 countries compared to 2000. Today there are 4.4 million fewer child deaths per year, 49 million fewer stunted children. 130 million more children in school, 94 million fewer child laborers, 11 million fewer girls forced into marriage or married early, 3 million fewer teen births per year, 
12,000 fewer child homicides per year. Naturally, this was front page news everywhere, they say. 42, China now has equal numbers of girls and boys in primary and high school, and more than half of university students are women, up from less than a quarter in 1978, and that's from Xinhua, and that's X-I-N-H-U-A. Next, 43, 30,000 children in Cambodia have been rescued from hard labor in the past five years, and 180,000 prevented from being child workers. That's from Phnom Penh Post, and that's P-H-N-O-M. Next word is P-E-N-H, Post. 44. According to the World Bank, India halved its poverty rate in the past 30 years, increased life expectancy at birth by 11.6 years, increased the average number of schooling years by 3 to 5 years, and increased per capita incomes by a factor of 250. And then they say 45 Western liberal democracies are not suffering from a loneliness epidemic. I, I still feel like we are. However, let's continue reading. Adolescents in the United States are not more likely to report feeling lonely than adolescents from a couple of decades ago. Other, excuse me, older adults do not report higher loneliness than older adults in the past. And surveys coming from Germany, England, and Sweden point in the same direction. That's from OWID. 46. Since the beginning of the century, the number of houses with adequate sanitation, living area, and reliable construction doubled in sub-Saharan Africa from 11% to 23%. And that's from Nature. 48. Officials in Nepal reported that 8.8 million people have gained access to electricity since 2010 and that the country is on track for universal access by 2022. That's from the Kathmandu Post. 47. Nepal was also declared an open defecation-free country in 2019. Eight years ago, 9 million people did not have access to clean sanitation facilities. That's from Rising Nepal. 49. Poverty in the United States reached its lowest rate since 2007, with 1.4 million people living in poverty in a single leaving poverty. Excuse me, leaving poverty in a single year, and poverty in Canada reached the lowest level ever recorded, 9.5 percent, down from 15.6 percent in 2006. Again, we have enough resources to house and feed and provide healthcare for everyone. So, again, yes, glad these numbers are going down, and also not far enough. Uh, I don't mean to rain on this parade. However, just recognizing that a lot of the times the, these good news in quotation marks is that maybe like bad things are getting a little bit less bad. Maybe fewer people are being affected negatively. Okay. And then, all right. Okay. Number 50. And then, okay, I'll finish this category. UNESCO said that 19 African countries reached gender parity, equal numbers of boys and girls in primary education in the past decade. That's from Brookings. Also, I'm going to just throw out there that uh, there's non-binary folks and folks who, yeah, it should go beyond that. But okay, uh, that's going to be my statement. 51, a new report on the social performance of 149 countries in the last five years uh, using indicators like nutrition, shelter, safety, Education, health, rights, and inclusiveness said that only four countries have regressed overall since 2014. That's from the first post. And then the next up, the section which we will start on next week, is peace, safety, and human rights. And the quote from Jean Dominique is, you cannot kill the truth. You cannot kill justice. You cannot kill what we are fighting for. I think that's pretty awesome. All right, before I forget, I did want to get to a post I read recently. I learned some things. Oh, hi. And it's on Twitter. That's kind of where I spend these days. Not you can, you know, 
it has its issues, certainly. However, I find a lot of news I wouldn't find otherwise on Twitter. If you want to follow me on there, by all means, please do. I don't have that many followers in the grand scheme of things. Uh, you can do so. I'm at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. I share a lot of the information that uh, I share on the show here. Ooh. And I'm also just going to share this briefly, a headline from Mission Local, which you can find at missionlocal.org. It's a local newspaper. Breaking, anchor brewery workers have approved their first union contract by a gaudy 49 to 3 vote. That's pretty cool. Okay. And... Oof. Bad news, because uh, I couldn't, because just reading, you know, 51, 52 good stories, got to read a bad one now. Uh, not intentional, but got to share this. This is from uh, Lycan Jordal, at L-A-I-K-E-N-J-O-R-D-A-H-L video. Border wall construction is imminent through Arizona's spectacular San Pedro River. Dozens of cottonwoods are flagged for removal. Border Patrol says they will break ground in the next two weeks. Everyone should see the sacred place before it's too late. It's another... I mean, the, the the idea of the border, which is fake and man-made, is, like, fucked up as is. And then when you, like, provide these security forces who cause harm under the, the – they pretend that they're, like, you know, security. They're protecting people. But in in fact, they're actually causing harm. They're separating families. They're violent. And they're also destroying the environment at the same time. It's awful. Okay. Ugh. So I wanted to share that. And – uh, the story I wanted to get to, uh, if you just hold on one moment. I don't know why holding on. I can also, you know, I'm doing this in my own, <sighs> my, own uh, my own speed here. So also I mentioned before about folks who are showing up um, outside the in Indian consulate. There are folks in New York City yesterday who also did this. And if you follow me on Twitter, I've reached re these articles. You can learn more about the situation of what's happening in India. Also, J.K. Rowling uh, is a turf. Uh, many folks have been calling this out for ages, and then she just kind of went full-on supporting this transphobe who got fired in England because she was, like, harassing... This woman was, like, harassing her trans co-worker, and she rightfully got fired. And then J.K. Rowling was like, oh, nah, I'm a turf. She didn't say that, but that's kind of her thing. So folks have been dragging her in, as rightfully they should. Um, there's also... Um, so in India, there's a protest. It's they they've moved forward with anti-Muslim legislation, and there are folks happen you know who are protesting in India and all over the world, and in Pune, it's P-U-N-E. There's a lot like hundreds and hundreds of folks protesting. So I wanted to share that. Um, uh, another point is that uh, I'm gonna make I'm gonna read a few more things. Is that having good things to not necessarily argue about, but debate about if people are upset about the idea of everyone having health care, which I don't know why you would be, but some folks do. Uh, it's from Adam W. Gaffney at A.W. Gaffney on Twitter. When asked, how will you pay for Medicare for all? The retort might be, how will you pay for $6 trillion in health care costs that we'll have a decade from now under current law? So again, very... Um, a good point to make also i'm i was initially going back to my twitter to read one thing and then in the show but then there's so many other pieces that i'd like to share 
Next is from Maddie Rose, which you can follow. You can follow Maddie at U L I V E. Oh, you live in a society with the letter U. Uh, and Maddie says, intersex is as common as being a redhead, but you don't see people out here claiming there's only two hair colors and the rest are disorders and don't count. So again, going after that, the false idea that <sighs> that there are only two two genders. Okay, next, it's going down. You can follow at IGD underscore news. Direct action gets the goods from Indian country today. Breaking, and this was yesterday, uh, the 30-meter telescope will not be built atop Mauna Kea at this time. Hawaii Governor David Ige, IGE announced in an internal memo this morning that law enforcement personnel will be leaving the site. Awesome. Uh, again, it's the positive news story because something negative was going to happen and folks showed up and prevented it from happening. And... Also, PBS NewsHour, police have detained more than 1,200 protesters in some of India's biggest cities Thursday after they defied bans on assembly uh, imposed to stop widespread demonstrations against a new citizenship law that opponents say threatens the country's secular democracy. And again, if you're in the Bay Area and want to support tomorrow from 10 to 12 at the Indian consulate on Arguello, uh, they're having a, a rally. So folks, please come through if you're able. And I'm going to continue moving down. I'm trying to get to, uh, not trying, I am going to get to it. Um, oh, goodness. Uh, SF Chronicle. Uh, racial disparities for BART proof of payment citations haven't changed in a year. African Americans still get nearly half, creating quandary for transit agency. Hey, how about you make transit free? Then you can stop fucking arresting people, and it's cheaper. Okay, and then here's what I wanted to get to. Okay, cool. And this is from uh, at Alice Aviz, Avizandum, A L I S. Excuse me, A-L-I-C-E-A-V-I-Z-A-N-D-U-M. And this person says, communists. The first line, because someone was saying how the line of the poem was like, the, the, the first they came for the socialists, but that's not true. And communists, the first, the line is, first they came for the communists, but everyone thinks it's the socialists because the Reagan administration made the Holocaust Memorial Museum change it before they let them engrave it there. So, holy shit, I didn't know that. That's fucked up and also not surprising given the damage that Reagan did in California and in the country and just, it's just so fucked up. Okay. So I did want to end on that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So I think that's a good place to end. It's 145. I'm going to play some more music and take Sparrow out for another little walk Thanks again so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks to all the folks who have donated throughout the years. Um, it means a lot. And if you like this show and want to tell a friend or someone you know, please. That's great. Again, not some, we do have a Facebook page. I haven't been on Facebook for a while, as I mentioned. So you can follow me on Twitter at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. And uh, yeah, Always look forward to interviewing and talking with community organizers, activists, and artists. So please do get in touch. Uh, Twitter is probably the best way to at this moment. And uh, thanks for listening. And thanks for all the folks out there um, and ancestors and folks in the past who have worked so hard just to, to get to where we are today. And even though there's so many things that seem really terrifying right now, there's still so many folks out there doing a lot of really incredible work and incredible organizing. So big thank you. Deep thank you. And um, I don't think Sparrow has any, any words that she wants to say. 
Oh, 2D. Okay, I'm gonna play. Oop, I'm gonna get up, play some music. Super relaxed today. Having uh, animals really does help uh, calm one down. Here's some more Ravi Shankar from the Chance of India album. And uh, we'll be back next week. Have a great week, everybody.
ಶ್ರಿಯಂಬಕಮೇ ಸುಗಂಧಿ ಪುಷ್ಟಿವರ್ಧನ ಪೂರ್ವಾರುಗಮಿವ ಬಂಧನ ಮೃತ್ಯೋರ್ಮುಕ್ಷೀಯಮೃತ ಸುಗಂಧಿ ಪುಷ್ಟಿವರ್ಧನ ಪೂರ್ವಾರುಗಮಿವ ಬಂಧನ ಮೃತ್ಯೋರ್ಮುಕ್ಷೀಯಮೃತ ಯಜಾಮಹೆ ಸುಗಂಧಿ ಪುಷ್ಟಿವರ್ಧನ ಪೂರ್ವಾರುಗಮಿವ ಬಂಧನ ಮೃತ್ಯೋರ್ಮುಕ್ಷೀಯಮೃತ ಯಜಾಮಹೆ ಸುಗಂಧಿ ಪುಷ್ಟಿವರ್ಧನ ಪೂರ್ವಾರುಗಮಿವ ಬಂಧನ ಮೃತ್ಯೋರ್ಮುಕ್ಷೀಯಮೃತ ಯಜಾಮಹೆ ಸುಗಂಧಿ ಪುಷ್ಟಿವರ್ಧನ ಪೂರ್ವಾರುಗಮಿವ ಬಂಧನ ಮೃತ್ಯೋರ್ಮುಕ್ಷೀಯಮೃತ
motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Davis, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834. Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full-length movie.
Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny.